Welcome to Third Floor Views, a production of Chesapeake Family Life, where we talk about health, education, and living with kids. I'm your host, Janet Jefferson. Today, we're talking about mindful parenting. Joining us is Hunter Clark Fields. She is a mindful mama mentor, creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and host of the Mindful Mama podcast. She's also a best-selling author. The book is called Raising Good Humans. So thank you so much, Hunter, for joining us today. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Hunter, let's get started. So first, I want to just touch on the basics. What is mindful parenting um, and how is it maybe different from from other big parenting concepts or ideas? Sure. Uh, well, mindful parenting is about is sort of turning turning back and looking at us as the parents as the, the major the major factor we can control in the parenting relationship. But it's really about help understanding our biology or our, so that we can calm our reactivity, knowing that we can't access our whole brain. We can't access the executive functioning parts of our brain, um, which, you know, which control our communications, all of that, unless we're able to calm our reactivity and mindfulness has been shown through study after study after study to be able to give parents that impulse control, that clarity, that ability to be able to choose how we want to respond. So it's really about kind of doing some of that, that inner work, under, being able to get that pause, that freedom to be able to choose, being able to take care of ourselves so that then we can respond in a more skillful, more thoughtful way. That sounds like putting the control a little bit back within the parent, which I feel like so often, especially with young children, parents feel a little bit out of control and that there's so many factors and variables that they can't control. So this is like, okay, what can we control and how can we sort of be our best selves? What, how did this come to you and how did you, what does your journey look like? Cause I know that you have two daughters and what was sort of your aha moment with mindful parenting? Well, I was with my first daughter when she was started walking and talking, you know, 18 months, two years old. And I just, you know, I just parented the way my, I guess my parents parented. I responded to her in the ways that they responded to her, but I discovered I had a major temper <laughs> that I didn't, that I didn't want, you know, it wasn't something I chose. It wasn't something I, I decided I'd like to like flip out of my kid. No, I didn't. It was like, really, it was the opposite of what I wanted my, my father had a temper, you know, this was what he, it was exactly what I didn't want. And what I realized that was so frustrating for me is that I you know, started looking into how can I parent better? How can I respond better? I started to hear all these coaches, parent coaches talk about like, here are different ways you can respond to your child. Like, you know, here's how to talk. And, and then I'd be like, okay, great. And then it would all just be gone when I was losing it, you know, because and, and, and what I discovered is that is literally what happens is that when you're having a stress response, which, you know, that's what's happening, your nervous system is literally bypassing the parts of your brain that are, you know, that ha have that executive function. The prefrontal cortex is in charge of logical thinking, uh, verbal ability, planning, decision-making, all of those things. And all the things we need to parent effectively, all the things we need to like be able to recall, like, well, is that better way to respond to my kid? And it all, like, it's, it's, you just get hijacked, right, by the stress response. So we can't do anything unless that we can 
regulate our own emotions and our own stress response. So that, that is incredibly important. And there's that modeling factor in that kids are, are t- terrible at doing what we say sometimes, but really great at doing what we do. You know, I remember then when she got older, when she was three and she had a sister, seeing her sort of bark orders at her little sister was like, oh no, that's what I sound like. (laughs) (laughs) And really realizing that these are the two things that need to come together. The, the, you know, I had studied mindfulness starting from when I was a teenager, because I was really uh, um, a highly sensitive person and I just felt the world so deeply. And I, and I, you know, about a decade later, I'd really, really started practicing and, and it, it really gave me this, this clarity and stability that I, that was, it was very different from what I had had before. It allowed me to not get so pulled by emotional waves. And so I realized that this is what this piece that the mindfulness world had, this piece to regulate our emotions, this piece to calm our waves, um, this was really needed in this parenting world where we could really get triggered in a way by the ones who are closest to us that we don't get in any other parts of our lives. So, so, you know, one without the other is not enough. They both, they both really need, we need both of them. You know, we need the, the ability to communicate effectively and more skillfully. And, but before that, we even need our, you know, the ability to, you know, it's like a muscle, that ability to calm our reactivity and the ability to, to slow our roll as we're, (laughs) as our kids are starting to trigger us, start to take care of those triggers, start to understand them so that we can be a loving presence instead of a, you know, when we're losing it, we're, we're scary to our kids. We're creating disconnection. So if we want to create connection, we have to be a loving presence and then, you know, good communication flows from there. Mm -hmm. So mindful parenting is all about sort of checking that when you feel that trigger response coming, being able to control that and then make calculated decisions as opposed to just using fight or flight and then letting whatever come out, come out. Does that sound about right? Yeah, to some degree. I mean, we don't want to, like, we don't want to be like fake mindful, like Hunter said, it's good to be calm. So I'm going to be calm and I'm calm. I'm calm. And like, no, I'm missing it. Right. So to some degree, we have to acknowledge like we're human. We're going to experience the whole range of emotions. Like we're going to be like raging mad at some points and we can even handle that skillfully. So like, for instance, uh, a few years ago, my daughter triggered, a, I discovered a whole new trigger that I didn't know I had. And when my daughter was nine and she didn't want to go to bed. It was after movie night. And she got all like, instead of, she got all rampy. And, and then she laughed at me and I was like, like heart, like raging volcano. I could just like feel it. And I, and I was so angry. And, but instead, like, instead of what I might've done in the past, I was able to say, I'm really angry right now. Mm-hmm. And then I walked out of the house and I went for a walk up and down the street to mm-hmm. cool, cool myself down. But um, part of part of it is acceptance, right? Like acknowledgement and acceptance of, oh, right now I'm starting to feel irritated. Right mm-hmm. now I'm starting to feel frustrated. And actually verbalizing and noting and acknowledging those things 
honestly and authentically are what allow us to then say, ah, and I'm going to take care of this feeling rather than trying to stuff it down and deny it. Um, there's a, 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 there's an important piece about it, just honestly acknowledging what's happening for us. And, and paradoxically that helps us move through it more skillfully. Mm -hmm. So self-awareness is really important and being able to at least name the emotions that you're feeling. I know that it sounds so easy, but it can be so hard. (laughs) (laughs) It's much, much easier said than done. (laughs) Um, With that, what role does uh, meditation play in your work? Is that part of mindful parenting or the work that you do with clients? Yes, yes. So actually, that's sort of the first assignment that they have is to create a space to practice meditation, because sitting in quiet is a crazy brain hack that human beings discovered 2600 years ago, that allows us to, you know, it's something that we don't instinctively want to do, right, where we're primed to want to go forward and move and do and do. But when we sit still and we start to pay attention to what's happening to us in the present moment with kindness and curiosity, this it's it's like we're building a, a muscle of reactivity, right? You we we have to practice it before we're gonna need it in the big game, you know. So maybe our big game is like your your kid freaking out, right? You know, you're just like you're never going to put your child in the Little League World Series without ever having to have them go to a coach or practice or learn how to practice swinging that bat. You can't expect yourself to get into a moment and just be like, okay, now I'm going to calm down my stress response because you haven't practiced, right? And so what mindfulness meditation does, it gives us, it's like building a muscle of the freedom to choose, Hmm. And uh, building a muscle of lowering our reactivity. So as we sit, we notice how great cuckoo our minds are. We bring it back to the breath. We get distracted. We bring it back to the breath. We do all those things. Maybe we practice for five or 10 minutes, you know, a day. And then what happens is that when we get in a moment of being with our child and they're getting a little crazy, then we can start to say, oh, look. I see what's going on with me right now. I can feel that we were building that self-awareness. I can feel the heart racing. I can see my mind going, I can feel my jaw clench. And then I can choose to make a more thoughtful response. And, and that may be any number of things, but yeah, it really is about just building that basic mindfulness skill. And I've honestly, like I've helped people do it with newborns, with toddlers, with multiple kids. If you have five minutes to scroll social media, you have five minutes to practice. Um, it's 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 a it's not super fun at first, but it's the benefits are enormous. Like the you have greater empathy, uh, you have clearer thinking, your sleep gets better. Um, there's you know studies have shown like forty seven different studies from Johns Hopkins showed like less depression, less anxiety. Um, you know all of this the clarity, all these things. And for, for parents, it's that impulse control. And Hmm. so it really, really is this, this sort of, you know, I kind of think like in the future, just like we understand now, like we have to take care of our bodies, like in the future, we're going to understand, yes, we have to to take care of our minds in these ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hunter, I feel like you totally just called me out in terms of saying, oh, if you have five <laughs> minutes to, you know, check your email <laughs> or scroll social media, you can do this. And it's like, oh, because, you know, it's such a classic 
I mean, it's a human thing to say, like, I don't have time, but I feel like, especially parents, I just don't have time. I can't imagine adding one more thing, even for five minutes, but you're right. We, we absolutely can do it. And I think also what you said about, it might not be fun at first, but this is important practice and you're, you're building a foundation and the more you do it, the easier it gets. And then it's going to become part of your routine. And, and then you can really start to implement those tools to make them useful, which is the whole reason you're doing it in the first place. Um, so that's a, a really um, helpful reminder. Um, what do you think are maybe some of the most common challenges that parents are experiencing today? And what maybe are some of your suggestions? Like, what are you hearing from um, your clients? Well, parents are so overwhelmed with the pandemic. I mean, with their kids being home all the time and not having enough help right now. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was bad before the way we were so isolated before, but it is so much worse now. I mean, it's incredibly hard. It's crazy making for any one person to be with a small child alone for 24 hours a day. Forget days on end. You know, I really don't think that you know, we didn't evolve to, to be raising kids one person with one small child. And it's incredibly, um, you know, physically, psychologically demanding on parents. And so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I wish we had better in our country, better services to support parents that, you know, to have help. But I, I think that right now the isolation is one of the biggest biggest challenges that we are we are having absolutely, and it's a hard nut to crack. It takes a lot of resources, and and I don't want to put it on parents, but we also have to. I think we have to. to we we tend to give be martyrs. You know, mm -hmm. we tend to say, "Oh, I should be able to do everything on my own, and I should be good at this." And and we don't ask for help. And so, one of the things I encourage parents to do, and I understand there's so many different situations out there, and it's really hard right now. But any way you can, by hook or by crook, you know, try to get some some help, some breaks, some time. Um, to be you outside of being a parent um, and to, and, and that will only make you a better parent. Ultimately, if you can just get some breaks, I think it's really important. Mm -hmm. That's a great suggestion. So we already talked a little bit about um, meditation, but do you have some other sort of tips and tricks for bringing more peace and calm into the house? And I guess like this is everything you do. So um, when you have people who are first coming to you and saying help, like what are your first, like, okay, you know, do these three things and that those are your first steps to move in a more positive direction. So maybe one of those things is, is meditation. Is there anything else that you're like, change this today? <laughs> well, one of the things I like, so in, uh, when people join mindful parenting, they, I have like a sort of a stop yelling formula, which is a little course that I put them through. And one of the things that they, that I encourage people to practice is to kind of have like a menu of resources of, that you put up around you for when you are starting to go down the path of losing it. Right. Mm. Like when you are, you know, put it up in like the bathroom, in the living room, in the kitchen, in the car, and like a little post-it note or something. Because um, if we can start to like calm, just like pull back from those, you know, from the from from yelling, that can do a lot to just creating a calmer environment. Because our kids really 
they they regulate especially little kids regulate their emotions through us but even older i mean we all we are interconnected right especially in a family in a family and we my feelings affect you and your feelings affect me and you know etc so so the more we can practice to to be aware of our own feelings and then start to start to pull it back when we're, we're going down that path. And so some of the things I encourage people to do um, are, you know, to, to have that like little menu and that little menu might include a couple of things that you can go through the body, through the mind, you know, through the body, like deep breaths are cliche because they work, <laughs> you know, that's the reason why they, we talk about them all the time, but literally, I mean, they're teaching this to active duty Marines. Uh, they teach mindfulness to active duty Marines and they teach them to take six slow, deep breaths. And that calms down your stress response. So your nervous system is not saying, Oh my God, I'm under threat and fight flight or freeze, you know, it can start to calm down and, and know that you're safe. So that's really, really helpful through the body. Um, through the mind, it's really nice to have like a, a mantra or saying that you can just remind yourself like in those difficult moments, because in those moments we feel under threat. And so we can be helpful to remind ourselves, I'm safe. <laughs> There's no emergency, <laughs> right? It sounds silly, but it's true. Like we feel like there's an emergency. I don't have to act right now. Like I'm safe. There's no emergency. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we can, we can use the mantra, like when, when they get louder, I get calmer, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, we can say some things to that to ourselves. So just to remind ourselves that there's a different choice, right? So having like a little menu of things that you practice in those moments, um, I think is, is incredibly important. And then the final thing I would say is you said three, the mindfulness, the menu. And then the third thing I would say would be to start to just acknowledge your feelings as they're arising. Mm. And this does so many good things. We, you know, we talked about it earlier. It, it models healthy emotional regulation. It teaches your kids emotional intelligence. And as soon as you say out loud, I'm starting to feel really irritated it's interrupted the habit, right? Mm. As soon as you say that out loud, you're acknowledging it and that's interrupted sort of the habit of wherever that would go normally. And then you, you know, maybe you start to say, then you say, oh, I'm starting to get really frustrated. And then that can be that interruption that can be a bell of mindfulness of like, oh, I better go to the bathroom and like that post a note of things I wrote down, you know, <laughs> and, and, or I need a break, you know, I'm mm -hmm. starting to feel too much here. Like I need a break to take care of my feelings and you can say all that stuff out loud. And that's really, really healthy for you. Yeah. It's healthy for your kids. It does so much for both of you. Yeah. Yeah. I love the idea of the, the post-it notes throughout the house. There's something about tangibility that makes it like, oh, okay. Like this is real. I can do it. I have a plan. I can go through and just choose from this menu and then calling out your emotions as they're coming. Um, I mean, these are the things that we're, we're trying to teach our kids, you know, instead of, instead of hitting your sister, why don't you say I'm so angry? And these are the reasons why, you know, it's the, the path that we want them to go down. So it makes so much sense that we as parents should then model that for them so they oh, can yeah. learn it not only 
by us say, this is what you should do, but they see it and you're like, oh, right, this actually works. And it's, I think, so funny to reflect as a parent, why not just practice the things that we are teaching our children and, and remembering that we're all humans and we're in this together and we're all learning to be better. And um, as a family, you know, start on that journey. And if you do it together, then at least you're, you're, you're all there on the same path. And it just makes so much sense. Um, yeah. It's much more effective too, to actually do it than to say it. Like, it doesn't matter what you say, they're just going to do what you do. So it's so much more effective to just practice yourself than you're killing two birds with one stone. Right, um, right. My um, favorite thing. <laughs> and kids are also, they're just so, they're so honest and they call you out on, on any, anything that they see. So if you're, if you're modeling and you're asking them to do the same thing, I think they're just much more likely to, to do it. Um, and it will just go smoother for everyone. One of my questions I have is uh, in a two parent household, what happens or what do you do when you rec- when one parent's like, yes, I am ready to be a mindful parent. I am, you know, practicing all these different things. This is how I want to raise my children. This is the things that I'm working on myself. Do you ever encounter issues with the other parent either dragging their feet or, um, really not being interested or just being sort of a quiet bystander. Um, and, and if so, then what, what do you recommend? Is it, is it critical that you have both parents, um, in a two parent household on the same page when it comes to mindful parenting? I'm glad you asked that question. And I do get that question a lot. And I think that we're taught that, you know, like it's, we should be sort of on the same page. And, um, but I don't think that's really true. I, I think that comes from that sort of uh, model of parenting. I mean, it does to some degree, but the model of parenting where it's like the parents are like on one side and the children on the other, and we are in like some kind of war <laughs> and we have one is winning and one is losing and we have to be, have a united front, right? Like that's a war metaphor. So, so instead <laughs> we can think of it as we're not in a war with our kids. Like we are in a relationship with these small human beings, right? Like it's a relationship just like any other relationship. Um, and your partner may not be on board and may think like, I'm gonna, you know, I wanna use, you know, I wanna be, take the phone away or do use some harsh punishments and things like that, which research shows are not effective, um, but that's the way we were parented. So we think that's the way we should do it, right? Um, and so that can be hard, uh, you know, especially there's like corporal punishment, like, you know, we, you know, it's still acceptable in a lot of households for, for parents to hit kids, even though it's not acceptable for kids to hit kids or kids to hit dogs or adults to hit other adults. For some reason, we think it's okay for parents to hit kids. And so there are a lot of things like that that can really be create a lot of conflict there. I encourage parents that to say that, you know, if you discover uh, a better way in a way that feels right for you, that feels more in alignment with the person you wanna be and who you wanna raise, then <clears throat> one of the best things to do is to start to follow that path and model that. And what happens with parents who come to mindful parenting, maybe their partner wasn't on board at first and was even skeptical, <laughs> it's like, what are you doing, <laughs> doing this stuff? 
what I've seen, I've seen again and again and again, is that a partner will then be like, huh, what are you doing? Like they're starting to see the kids cooperate more with the, the parent who's practicing these tools. They're starting to see more cooperation, greater peace. They're, they're having more conflict with their kids. Then they start to get curious. Okay, what's happening? What are you doing? Then can I do it? And I think that's much more effective than trying to um, cajole a parent, another parent into doing something together. Um, <clears throat> so I think actually like that modeling just as it's the most effective with our kids is really most effective with our partners too. And, you know, maybe if your partner is open and on board too, you know, you can, you can talk about it, but like the things that, what people tell me is like the tools we use, right? Like this mindfulness and the skillful communication, they end up using those same tools with their partner, right? Like kind of the, the secret is that they're, they're very universal. Like they're, they're <laughs> something that you can really use with any relationship. So um, they improve their relationships with their partners because they're able to communicate more skillfully, able to be more aware of what's going on for them and what's going on for themselves. But I, I think it's, you know, once we do know better, we do better. And we can't just sort of pretend that, you know, that, uh, that sort of the old school ways are, are a-okay with us if they're not. Right. Right. Yeah. I love, I love what you're saying about these are universal tools and that they work on everyone, including your partner or, or everyone, you know, these can be applied in a professional setting. These could be applied, you know, in, in friendships and relationships. Um, uh, it's just, you know, like we've discussed earlier, it's, it's how to be a good human, um, which actually perfect segue. Um, I would love for you to just tell us a little bit about your work specifically, um, in terms of the different projects that you have going on and the different resources that you've created and are offering. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit about raising good humans and your, um, mindful mama podcast and the various classes that you offer. Uh, sure. Raising good humans. It's, um, it takes what I teach in the mindful parenting course and puts it into book form. You know, it takes as the most takes the most important lessons and puts them into to book form. So it's really very applicable. I was when I was a young parent and I was like so. I mean, I felt like I was failing, and I was like, well, okay, I want to respond this way, but how? How? How do you respond this way? How is my big question? So this answers the question of how. <laughs> um, so that's Raising Good Humans. And it's done, I think, through the pandemic, people have wanted help. And so it has become, um, it's been done really well. It's an audiobook form and it's been translated into like now six languages. It's really exciting. So um, I have copies in Bulgarian in my studio <laughs> <here>. <laughs> um, the, the Mindful Mama podcast were, um, well into over 300 episodes. It's been going for uh, many years now and so many great interviews there and, and also solo podcasts. There's coaching calls there. It's a lot of, lot of wonderful stuff there. It's my excuse to be able to talk to all these wonderful people I get so excited about. And so I would just listen to that and anywhere you listen to podcasts. And we have the Mindful Parenting uh, course. It's in a membership and we um, you can find out about that at mindfulparentingcourse.com. We open enrollment every so often, so you can <clears throat> get on the wait list. And we 
my favorite way to offer it and the most popular way people do it is a lifetime membership. So we offer live, be like 36 hours of live coaching every year. And then people can come back. It's fascinating. Like I hear things about like a nine-year-old and then like later, like they're 12 and this is going on. It's so it's amazing. So, so that's available. And and then the last couple of years, we've been teaching people to teach mindful parenting in their community. So we're certifying mindful parenting teachers and they take the course and they teach it in person or into it in the pandemic. They've been doing it via Zoom um, in their local communities. And we have teachers in Australia and Minnesota and the UK. And it's, it's really, um, really exciting to, to see this, this grow. So... So yeah, a lot of things happening. <laughs> Absolutely. That sounds really exciting. So you have so many resources yourself that you offer on your website and through, you know, podcasts and books. Um, do you recommend any other resources? Are there any people that you're like, oh, you must, you know, listen to this or read this? Um, are there sort of your, your favorite people or inspirations that you, you know, you go to when you need a, an extra boost? Yeah, I mean, some some of my sort of perennial favorite teachers and some of their books. Um, I I love um, Adele Faber or Julie King and Joanne Faber's book, How to Talk So Little Kids Can Listen. Um, they are they're all about that skillful communication side of things. They're really really wonderful. In the <clears throat> mindfulness side, I love. Uh, Sharon Salzberg, she keeps it real. She's got an amazing book called Real Happiness, which is so, so wonderful. And um, and I just recently had on the podcast, Lawrence Cohen, who wrote Playful Parenting mm. a, a long time ago. And it's so wonderful and so skillful. And it's so helpful for us to light all lighten up a little and be more playful with our kids, because that's their language, right? So it, it helps us to really connect and And so those are some I'd recommend. And that's also just, it makes me think, you know, a lot of those names have been around for a really long time. And so like, these are not new ideas, um, but I do think that they are becoming maybe more prevalent or more common in sort of the, the parenting collective knowledge. Um, And that mindful parenting, you know, it's, I think as a, as a country, we're, we're moving in that direction anyway. And like, as you were saying, you know, we used to be okay with hitting children and now we're moving away from that as a whole country and culture. Um, and so mindful parenting has been here for a long time. It's just how, how to, what are the resources that are, that are available and how can we tap into this collective knowledge and support each other as we continue along this journey? Um, so that's, it's really helpful to, to think that there are so many resources out there and, um, there's lots of ways to, to learn. Well, I just wanted to say thank you so much to you, Hunter, for, for all of your expertise and knowledge and sharing all of, um, your different resources today. That was just fantastic. Um, I also want to say thank you to all of our viewers and listeners. Make sure that you do visit ChesapeakeFamily.com for up-to-date local information on home, health, and living for today's Maryland parent. This episode will be archived on ChesapeakeFamily.com in both video and podcast format. I'm Janet Jefferson with Chesapeake Family Life and Third Floor Views. Thank you so much. Thank you.